Hey, uh, Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> How do you make a, a tissue dance? Make a tissue dance? I don't know. You put a little boogie in it. <laughs> yeah. And um, tis the sneezing for allergies. <laughs> so. Haven't you missed us? I've missed us. <laughs> We're so fucking cute. <laughs> It's sickening how cute Brown girl book party. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, uh, <laughs> what's up, guys? Hi, it's us, Rosa and Shannon, the brown girls at the book party. That's right. That's who we are. We've been making our presents like um, so uh, sparse. That's to- a good word. Thank you. Are you in college? I'm, a, I'm an English major. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for noticing my <laughs> words. Yeah, you're welcome. I, um, yeah, I think that I was going to make a joke about how we've been doing it on purpose. Um, just like not being around to, to make us. Yeah, this is it. There she is. Shannon's moving right now because, uh, we haven't done this in so long we forgot how to do it. Just kidding. That's not why. I got a new desk. I uh, changed a bunch of stuff around. We had to spend a lot of time today, like, plugging stuff in. Plugging, plugging things in. Plugging and playing, as they say. Tightening things. That's right. So, yeah. Um, we are here uh, after a long little break away. We've missed everyone yes we hope that you've missed us too we um did not take this long to record this episode for lack of love for the book that we're talking about today it's true that book is seven days in june by tia williams or um affectionately known uh by rosa as one week in june that's right by tia williams (laughs) You know, Tia, more, why did you name it efficiency? That's actually the real reason we're here to record. We would like to take this question up with you, Tia Williams. Um, no, but I think that um, when I started reading it, I was not sure that I was going to love it. Interesting. I just like was like, I felt like the beginning was. I just was not, I wasn't grooving with it. But mm-hmm. then I would say by 30 pages in, I was captured. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Wow. I'm staying on theme. I put a little boogie in it. Tis the sneezing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, immediately was captured by this book because of the opening line which is this in in the year of our lord 2019 32 year old eva mercy nearly choked to death on a piece of gum she'd been attempting to masturbate when the gum lodged in her throat cutting off her air supply and then it goes on and on to this is where we we then get introduced to eva's daughter um audrey but 
starting a book off with <laughs> a near death experience whilst masturbating. I was just like, I'm going to love this. Like, this is funny. I feel like that could never happen to me. I'm so to nobody's surprise. I'm just very particular about that time. Right. The, it's planned. Right. It's intentional. There is no, there is no there's stray no, gum there's in no my gum. mouth. There's no goddamn gum in this mouth. Um, You're trying to set yourself up for a nap. Do you know what it is? It was that she is, and then you, like, you go on to find out that Tia is such a clever, she's such a clever writer. Oh my gosh. She's so funny. She's just like, you know, she's one of those friends that, you know, if you're hanging out with them, they'd have quip after quip, just like right, on it. Yeah. You know, those people that you're just almost intimidated by because you're like, how are you so clever? Do you just have like a book in your pocket and like everything that I'm saying, you're figuring out a like very clever, hilarious, and also like kind of biting, like low key throwing shade all the time kind of friend, you know? Oh, hello. I feel like she's um the real life Kelly from uh HBO's Insecure. Did you, did you watch Insecure? No. I mean, I did and I loved it, but then I like lost track of it. I have to, people tell me all the time that I would love that show. Dude. I know. All and right. now I have to watch it because I need to know because I want more of these vibes in my life. But what I was going to say is that at the beginning of it, She's using that language and you can't, I could not yet tell if it was going to feel too try hard. Like I wasn't sure if it was like very like meme like 2023 catchphrasey writing. But then it eases into like realizing like, oh no, there were so many times I laughed out loud and I did figure it out very quickly. But I think that I was skeptical because there are a few like more contemporary fiction books I've read where I've just been like very put off by like feeling like the author was trying to make her characters feel cool by making them feel contemporary or modern. And it just felt sure. like a mom writing those characters, like an outdated person writing those characters. Yeah, I think there's like we also are finding ourselves in this time where I feel like there is um as a result of like Reese Witherspoon's book club and like book of the month and these like you know popular people picking and amplifying books um there's there are there are these writers who I think are sort of like vying for that like title or that like sticker on the front of their book and so mm. sometimes you kind of get some really yeah. like trite <clears throat> storytelling that is like sure it's funny but it's tired funny because that joke has been told before yes and although this is a Reese's book club pick it's like so well deserving of the popularity and the characters are so good and all of that language it doesn't feel try hard I mean I think that it, it must be a difficult job for authors today to oh that's my dog munch I think it must be difficult to be a person who's writing a book, writing contemporary modern characters, because I think a thing that's happening now in society that you have to write about and you have to include in a way that feels organic and real is like everything is a commentary on everything else. It's like there's the picture and then there's the image of the picture and then there's the image of the people talking about the picture and then there's like the the Mm. podcast about the picture and about and then there's a podcast about the meme about the picture right and so i just like feel like there's so much performative things that we as humans in this society are doing today so much of our lives 
are about projection and about performing. Mm -hmm. And how are you an author who writes about that when also when like you're writing about an author or you're writing about a a somewhat famous person and a very famous author, um, like recognizing social media and the way that those things play into these characters lives in a way that feels really real and organic. And Tia Williams did that, but she did a great job. I was just very skeptical at first. I was like not ready to believe it until it felt really real to me. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, I think, as you know, we've said all these things, but as a result of all of the aforementioned things, it makes sense that that a person would take a little bit of time to get into the space of like, okay, I'm down with this character, I'm or these characters, and I'm down with this story, and like, I'm here for what? Like, tell me more, Tia. I want to know more about. She wants to know the Tia. It's. I want to (laughs) know. Tia, give me. Spill the Tia. The Tia. <laughs> I just have so many good jokes. Today, you guys. have the best <laughs> jokes. I. So, <laughs> can I say that? <laughs> I'm kind of like dumb with this book because I read the whole thing. And then at the end of it, I was like, wow, that whole story happened. Like, really fast. Like, in, like, a week. And then I was, like... (laughs) Was it a week in June? It was seven days in June, you dim-dim. Right. She packed so much in seven days, dude. She really did. I think that was the other thing I was skeptical about. And, like, what an incredible job she did at this, like could have been really cheesy trope thing that she did which mm-hmm. was like the first time they met and spent time together was this seven days in june mm-hmm. and then again they find each other again in seven seven days in june. right and so yeah. you're just like oh god ooh, is it like is it like gross like rom-com vibes but right. no it doesn't even fucking matter it's like so cool she did use this device it did not feel cheesy at all no it didn't i mean and i think so we learn as we as we get through the book, we learn about Eva and Shane and their first seven days and just how like fraught with tortured. Just it was so tortured and traumatic. Just a big and, fat open wound that they could not stop just like gouging at. Totally. Yeah. And that it just like kept and that it it stuck with both of them. In such like an intense way, Eva in particular, that she rose to fame, um, like cult like fame, right? Mm-hmm. Because of her following, um, as a result of creating characters to sort of like therapy her way through the broken relationship that was these like set these seven days in June when she was a teenager. And same for Shane. I mean, he's like right. ultra freaking famous. He has these books that mean so much to him, like. Yeah, I think that's the other thing. Like, again, just going into it knowing they were writing love letters to each other in these books, right? Because yeah, it's, totally. like the, it's in the bio of the book before you read it. It's in the synopsis. And then, and it all happens in seven days in June and then two decades later or whatever, again, seven more days in June. So I think I went into it being like, oh, God, this could really suck. <laughs> like, this yeah. could be bad. And it's so, it's so good. It's so moving. I mean, 
I've talked a lot on, on this show about how I am so drawn to dysfunctional love and how it's something that I love to read all the time. And for a lot of my life, it was something I liked to live. Um, and my husband has absolutely broken me of that. But man, I just like that tender young age where, and we, we talked about this recently too, about like YA romance. Yeah. The last true lovers, the last true lovers, um, that we get to see that we ha- we get to have that feeling and we get to experience it through this like really fraught, as you said, difficult, traumatic experience with Shane and Eva finding each other in this way where like, you know, time slows down around you. You're just like drawn to each other. Um, and that connection is real. We can feel it as the reader. And we can also see that they're just like not fucking good for each other. And they're like using drugs and he's just like feeding her drugs and he just has all the drugs in the world. And they're just in this like bad situation. But then that we get to see it mature and like grow and that we as like people who love a good last true lovers story that they break the mold of that only existing as teenagers and that even Shane give us this gift of really getting to explore what that love is like when they are more healthy in a real way too. It was like, it really was like the, the way that Williams decides to not let them just like be together right away. And that something really shitty has to happen with Shane and that he has to go away from her and that that tries and tests them right. brought this like true, I don't know, just like more a layer of, of realism to the situation. Yeah. I think there's a lot of it that is like, that is relatable if you've ever found yourself in a like um dysfunctional love situation right even if you have not found yourself in a love story that ends in the way that Jane and Eva's love story does because most people's let's be honest doesn't um which is probably why we also like this book so much because it affords us some uh like tumultuous closure um but it's there is so much of that that is related as you as they are pained together by like the distance between them and then even still the emotional distance between them when they come back together and then those like the connection like the wanting to be like physically close and Mm -hmm. and that like the tent that sexual tension that exists between them until the dream house can we talk about the dream house? Yeah, let's get to the goods. So I want to say that this is, as a, as a certified and public loving, I love smut, okay? This I was like the question. I love smut. When I was like, you were like, I don't know if I'm going to finish the book in time. And I was like, whatever, did you get to the sex yet? Yeah. <laughs> and I actually just happened to flip open to that area because there's a part that I love um, right before that the actual sex that I want to read a little a little excerpt but this was the first true smut that we have brought to this show uh you're welcome yeah you're welcome because hot damn it was so it's such a good yes scene top notch it's so well done yeah I also feel like I've been deprived recently of excellent smut I read (laughs) 
I just read this book called um, Big Swiss that was so weird. If you are listening to this show right now and you read Big Swiss, I actually need you to DM us on Instagram at Brown Girl Book Party because I am traumatized by this book. I can't stop thinking about it and I hated it. It was so good. Like as in it was very well written. It is not my cup of tea. I like find that I'll read like very weird contemporary fiction Mm -hmm. like once a year. The same experience happened with a book called Tell the Machine Goodnight. And then another one called like, I don't remember, Real Love or something. Anyways, the entire book is about sex. Big Swiss. The whole thing's about sex. Sick. Uh-huh. No, never am I horny. Never one single time when I'm reading the whole book. Imagine book that book. book that book. Imagine watching a cooking show and the never whole getting hungry Sorry. and never being like like swooned by the food or like yeah, appetized. Yeah. Like nothing is tantalizing at all. You're just like that looks like shit. Gross. Ew. Ew. People are eating that. And I am on the border right now of like kink shaming. I feel like. I mean, here's the thing. I think that you can say. Not my jam. It's not. I'm not going to yuck anybody else's yum if you were into Big Swiss. Right. But I did not have a waterfall. No. In my nether region. It was so weird. Anyways, I also then read a book called Love and Other Disasters, which was incredible. And I know that we're still talking about the book our book of the month right now, seven days in June, but I really do just want to, I want to plug, um, love and other disasters because it was excellent smut. It's also a book about trans love. It is a book about a reality TV cooking show. Again, I was skeptical. I went in being like, Oh, I'm going to be worried. I'm worried about how well this is going to go. Yeah. I feel like we talked about maybe picking that book for this month. Yes. And maybe it is a book we can revisit another time because I think that, um, it was just so well done. So if you're look, if you loved Seven Days in June and you're looking to like keep riding that romance wave, um, super true and believable characters, true and believable love. Um, the you know aspect of transness and queerness is like very prominent in the book, and it's so lovely. Um, really, really, really good sex scenes. Okay. Okay. So I was like, I read that. And then I read seven days in June, I think right after I finished that book. And then I was listening to big Swiss and it was just like all this sex, like so much smut, like an overload of smut, um, in like every way that it could be. And, um, yeah, I feel like I am in a new place because I swear to God, I think like the books I read in the last year were all practically sexless. Or the smut wasn't very good. I don't remember yeah. anything worthwhile. And that used to be my shit, man. It was like all I cared about was smut and book. Well, this was also a thing like when we had talked about this book party that it was like we read so differently. Yes. And like how are we going to uh, how are we going to make this work? Like we got to find a balance. Right. Of getting, you know, and also for you all, our listeners, right? Like. Yeah. Making sure that we are picking books that we think that like that listeners would be down with. So but this was smut that you loved. (laughs) Bro, I straight up was like, I like romance now. Yeah, she did. She texted me and said, I think I like romance now. (laughs) (laughs) Question mark. Man, that is ultimately like the biggest to me advertisement for this book. Yeah. Anti-romance. like true crime mystery thriller uh horror 
lady loves reader turns opens up seven days in june and is like i think i think i like romance now and true like i mean i as a result of this book i am more inclined to even like read uh or or to to like give a romance pick the time to to read the the book jacket like sure because i don't because it's like do me i don't know like maybe i'll like it but i do think that something and i know you want to read a part before the the um sex but i think part (laughs) of the reason that i found myself enjoying this is is not only because of the extreme sensual sensual i mean that too but sexual tension that exists between eva and shane for a significant amount of time and like the beauty of the story that is that has been told but because there's so much cultural relevance yeah in this book and and i think it's such a like written by a black author like just full of like black cultural yeah. um um highlights that i think just it it just was like it's just it's well done in all of the ways. It's so black positive. So black positive. I it, mean, like from just having two successful black authors and having like those like lit awards that are just the like, Liddy Awards. The Liddy Awards, yeah. And that 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 is their world. Like the entire culture and world that's created in this book is about black joy. It's about yeah. black positivity. It's about black success. And it is not about black people like making space and working super hard to fit into the rigid norms of like no. Anglo-Saxon writing world. It is about their own place and their own world and their own relevance. And man, it was just such a fucking joy to experience that and to live into that world and, and to, to read it. And that there was no like reading the book there was not this like um story of like big struggle to get where they like it certainly like there there were things that happened that were uh you know traumatic and all this for for the characters but it was like it just uh, you are immediately afforded the space to witness black joy that is like so multifaceted Mm -hmm. um and and comes from like you know of course there is the conversation around like shane and eva and their youth and addiction and self-harm and things like that um but that is such a background story to the absolute like radiance of all of these like successful creative beautiful black folks that are just like living their best lives. Well, and also the harmful bits of Shane and Eva, um, or Genevieve as she's known at that time, um, are that's not the forefront of the story, exactly what you're saying. Like that's not yeah. what we're exploring. That's not what we're here for. Right. Yes, it's foundational to who they are as people, but the the book starts after they have already experience gotten over those hurdles right. and so many brown and black books and characters and especially ones written by white folks and ones that we experience in mainstream media are about this struggle the endless struggle and like yes that's all relevant it's it is important for us to know and see 
you know, those experiences. But also, like, there is a need, a desperate need for us to see these more joyful times. And I just think that this book, that she just does such a good job of balancing that Ugh, so yeah. that we're able to experience um, all of that. And uh, it's just really, it's such a joy. I will say that my seg to get us back into the sex scene is your seg for sex. My, your my seg, sex for segs. seg is that the only, one of the times where I did not feel joy was the bonkers amount of anxiety that I felt while Shane and Eva were fucking in the dream house. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, so they go into this, like, you know, um, rest as a form of resistance is such it's a huge thing, uh, like the nap ministry. Trisha, who's the the creator of that incredible black woman. Um, That's a real thing. It's a real thing. Uh, in the real world. In the real world. She's called the Nap Bishop. Um, and like these spaces where you, she like, in the real world, you do go in and you nap. And you, what? Like, and, and her whole thing is like, one of the books that changed my year last year was Rest is Resistance. Um. And so I'm just, like, thinking about that as, like, this sort of, like, anti-colonial, like, but also hip, right? Because they're in, like, a hip space that's, like, decolonize your mind in this very hip space. But, and they've been explicitly told in the rules, like, no fucking, essentially. And then they just, like, get down. They can't help it. And the whole time I'm just, like, someone's going to walk in. Someone's going to walk in. Oh, my God. Someone's going to walk in and, like. They're just going to like he's going to end up with blue balls and she's not going to be able to come. And it's going to be a whole thing like or he's going to like nut on the wall. Man, I loved it. I was I mean, fair into it. But I just my brain as I was reading was or my like my heart as I was reading was like I was not my heart. I was like turned on, but also like. This can't end well. Right. This isn't going to end well. It's going to be so embarrassing. They're going to end up all over social media. Well, and that was like the point too, right? Of course. And I think like that is definitely also a kink for people. Oh, Um, yeah. Some people who, not me. Just kidding. It's kind of mine. Um, (laughs) Rosa, always be fucking in public. (laughs) That's right. That was my thing. But um, no, I think like they, she just, she used it as such a smart literary device, oh God, right? Yes. To create this space and to make it so that it was kind of unavoidable. Um, and so that kind of is my segue to this little part that I want to read because outside of something I think that makes Eva and Shane so special, um, smut not necessarily withstanding, right? Like they do have this really intense sexual connection. And I think part of the reason that is is because their intimacy is so um, precious and unique and they've never experienced such intimacy with anyone else ever, right? The both of their childhoods lacked the intimacy that you get from your parents of safety and of vulnerability. Like neither of them felt that that was accessible to them, right? So this connection that they have with each other really is at the forefront of that. What makes it so special is intimacy. And something that I love that Williams did with Eva's character was that she did not make this. So Eva is tough. 
She has raised this, her daughter on her own. She lives with an invisible and chronic illness that she is constantly suffering from. She is in pain all the time. Um, You know, we see this freedom from her releasing the need to perform um, wellness while existing with this pain. And we see that release at the end of the book, which is such a lovely gift, you know, that she's like, fuck this. I'm not going to pretend anymore. Yeah. Um, but she's, she's tough, right? Like that's her character. She's super tough and she is never too tough or too afraid to be vulnerable with Shane. And I love that. It is one of my favorite themes of the whole book. When you're reading her and you see these moments where you're expecting, um, her to back off or not respond or not do this or not do that. She just gives in. She is constantly giving in, in a world where she is not necessarily that kind of person ever. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and so when they go into um, this, this space, wait. No. So this. Taking it back. Taking it back. Actually, this first vision of intimacy that felt very important to me. It was actually the first moment that they met each other. I mean, I think their whole scene is like, the antithesis to a mute cute in some ways, but also such like a genuine and true mute cute. But actually this first little um, part of, of um, intimacy that really touched me was when they went to the big mansion um, that they, that Shane broke into oh, and yeah. young um, Geneviève and Shane are in this place. It's the first time they haven't kissed. They haven't even kissed each other and they're going to this place. And uh, Williams writes, Shane peeled off his tea and collapsed on top of the covers next to Genevieve, Genevieve, a.k.a. Eva. They smoked a roach till it was gone. At some point, they curled into each other. Genevieve's face nestled into Shane's neck, his fingers tangling themselves in her curls. It was a hazy, blissful thing, holding her so close in this innocent way. He slept harder than he had in his life. So this moment as their first access to intimacy to me is so meaningful because I think as young girls, as young teen, like when we remember about being young teenage girls, it was very hard and difficult for me to imagine accessing that kind of intimacy with somebody that I hadn't first slept with. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're, there's so much more vulnerability in that. Right. Because, because really I think like there is the, the story that we're so, there is a story that is told, which is that the most intimate thing you can do with a sexual partner is engage in sex. Right. Right. And, right. and, and I think in this case, we can say that like heteronormative yes. sex is, is the thing where it's like, that is the most intimate thing. Um, but the, but I think the reality is and. and like in my experience anyway, and I think like what I hear you saying is there are more vulnerable things like, and, and I don't think that that is a unique experience, right. To like the idea. I mean, I can even remember like as an adult with my, I was going to say my current husband because our Lord and savior, savior, Nora McInerney says that all the time, Mm -hmm. but I don't have any other husband. (laughs) Like, um, those are such vulnerable times, right? Like 
even like before or or I mean, I guess the after sex, but just like being bodies being close without engaging in anything else. There Mm -hmm. is a level of intimacy that is exchanged there. And I think especially when you are a person who harbors loads of trauma because your your body is so fragile yes even even if your body hasn't experienced physical trauma right like we hold the the body keeps the score right right um so yeah i do i think that that's such a it's such a special thing that tia williams did to include that show of vulnerability and intimacy and the note that i wrote is essentially just noting like i i feel like that moment is both so innocent like so youthful which just kind of cracks your heart open when you think about it in relation to who to the experiences of both eva and shane and how little um innocent childhood they were able to explore because of their their situations and their childhoods and it's also so grown up It's so mature. It's like both of those things. It is not going, you know, when you're a teenager, all your hormones and all these like sexual feelings are just like bubbling at the surface. And for women, as we talked about in Yoke, it feels very performative. It feels very important to perform sexuality in a way where you can win the attention of a man, especially in terms of the heteronormative normal um, situations as like between Shane and Eva. Um, and th- it's just like this like thing that happens with them where th- that intimacy is so almost, it feels almost magical, right? It's yeah. that thing that people talk about, like that um, love at first sight feeling, which is just like, I feel safe. You are my home. I feel like this is home. And um, it was really beautiful to read that. It really touched me. I think, and that's the thing I think about Shane and Eva's story is that their the safety and security that they were able to find in each other um emotionally and then you know and then physically um in many ways like that that is a that is such a huge and important part of this story because they were not safe and secure without each other like they experienced their first like their first experiences of security exist with each other and that like idea of like finding another person that does feel like your home that you feel safe enough to be able to like release yourself into totally just a like a snuggle i know like and that is it's so um like when you said it's so mature you know, as I think that what I also think is that it's like a it's a symbol of their resilience, you know, mm. that they like have been through so much and that they could be such different people as a result of their traumas. And right. And they show. This strength individually and collectively as they just allow the weight of each other to settle in like yeah. there, there is something that is like really special beautiful like beautiful and heartbreaking about about that it's yeah um and and i think like maybe when i say like the 
like maybe I like romance. It's like this layered romance that like the storytelling is so good because it's not just it's not just like hey girl now we're gonna fuck right which is fine like there's a time and a place for that um but like as a work of fiction that also allows you to like feel the like all of the feelings the, the smut feelings like there is you know, the reviews of it that say that it's smart and sexy and all of that. Like that. Yes. Yeah. Also, I um remember that in the last episode when we talk about this book and reading this book, I said, I think it might be Chicklet. And um, if this is Chicklet, sign me up, buddy. I'd like to read it. Oh, I w- forever I'll be, a, I'll be ever. in Club Chicklet. Yeah, let's go. Give, I mean, give me a chiclet pin. I don't really know if this is chiclet. I don't even really know um, what that is. But um, yeah, I was just thinking back to that and being like, man, man I feel like that genre implies a lack of depth. And sure. this book is not that. Not at all. There is so much depth and there's so much power. And um, yeah, what did we think of our friend Audrey? Like, who is that kid? Yeah. First of all. She was cool. She was cool. But I and I think I think that she. Is this example of like the kind of human that comes from like an emotionally intelligent sort of like nurturing, not overprotective environment right like she is able to like explore and be like be her own person in a lot of ways and also she's like precocious and like you know there's parts of her like in the beginning when you meet her and she's like you know being like a psychologist therapist yeah yeah. like you're just like what the fuck is this character but as you get to know her more right you learn that she is someone who like has grown up sort of in the shadows of her mother's fame, but has not been neglected as a result of her mother's by, fame by any means. No. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and it, and she too, she is also the result of a, not only an incredible mother, but a community of people that have rallied around her mother. Right. Like, like all of these and and you meet those those characters throughout that like know Audrey as much know and care for her as much as her mom does and i think right. it just sort of it sort of speaks to i think it speaks to the power of community oh yeah oh yeah so many aspects of this book really do that and in in just such a great way i also really love that audrey is a part of the end scene where they come back together on this beautiful, yeah. you know, like twilighted patio. And um, I, I just love that she had just has this like slight hand in it, you know, cause it is essentially her giving this blessing and that her and Shane have built their own relationship and their own friendship mm-hmm. um, that is significant. And, and really, you know, that Shane is not, it's it's not this like he's not placating right like he yeah. actually really fucks with audrey he's like this, yeah she is so cool you know um and values her and sees her as this whole person and um 
yeah, I just I really love like the maturity of all of it. I also really love that um, Eva's ex-husband's not a jerk. Like that, yeah. that wasn't this like other point of like, again, like circling back to the way that we see black and brown women as just like not having their shit together and all of this emotional trauma and just making bad choice after bad choice and neglecting right. their kids and these tropes that of like single black mothers that we receive in mainstream media. Like this was just breaking down all that shit. She is successful yeah. despite all of these hardships. She is um, creating this stable, incredible life for her daughter. When she married, it was like with intention. It was thoughtful. It didn't work. And I love an example of a failed marriage that's not a failure. So just as its own standing thing, like, thank you. More of that in media. More of that as examples for blended and separated families. Um, but that, that wasn't just this like thing, you know, cause it could have gone in this direction and then it could have been like Shane saving her from this like shitty ex-husband, yeah, totally. right? Like that's not what this was about. Eva was, is her own entire entity. She doesn't need anything. And that means that the way that she does need Shane is really in like intrinsic and it really is about love and it really is about intimacy and like, yeah, what an awesome thing. Yeah, and I I think um I all a, a part of going like talking about Audrey is her sort of like you were talking about like the blessing, like her her blessing sort of on that relationship and that Audrey is like mature enough that when Shane doesn't show up for brunch, right? She's like she knows. She knows mm-hmm. he's not going to show up. Mm-hmm. She also knows her mom well enough. Know she knows her mom's not, lying yep, mm-hmm. to her about Shane and that her mom puts her on the plane and Audrey is like, essentially, like, don't give up on him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, g- like, give him a second, give him a third chance or whatever right. the hell it is. Um, yeah, just the I think the realness of that moment where, like the child is parenting the adult in some mm-hmm. ways is it's really special. Um, it is. Yeah. Though I am like, why Shane, dear, dear Shane. Oh girl. I already know what you're going to say. And I feel this very much. Why didn't you just send a text message? So that was one criticism that I had I of the book. So oh, annoyed at that. And it, didn't feel believable to me. It didn't feel believable because it all it did not align with the character that we know with right. with with Shane's character at all, who is very transparent, right? Who like openly communicated so much, who actually like drew out of Eva, right? Better communication. I will say that past Shane, not sober Shane. Yes, yes, definitely. Like totally could make a move like that. I think for me. The idea that like and I, I get it again as a literary device, this terrible thing had to happen to Shane, the most terrible thing. And yeah, and she really went all the fucking way with it, too. Oh, like, she wasn't playing. No, Ty was, died. Like yeah. he died. He that was the situation. Um, And and I, I think that leaning into that was the right choice for Shane's development as a character. I get yes. that. It was not believable to me that that man would not find a moment. I don't care if he's in the sky on an airplane. It is 2019. You can send a text message from the air. 
Yeah, and that he waited. He didn't even send a text message when he got back. When he got back, he right. didn't send a text message when he arrived. No. He didn't send a text message, you know, after Ty died. He waited and to show up at, at the, the Liddy Awards, right. and that it's just it's so frustrating because I think that this it doesn't take anything away from what needed to happen with Ty or not, Ty, but from. From what needed to happen in terms of like a giant devastating right. catastrophe. Yes. In order it, it it wouldn't take anything away to that to have Shane communicate this terrible thing happened. And then what could have happened? Like he could have just like emotionally shut down for a couple of days and then Eva doesn't know, you know, where he's at or if he's coming back or whatever. You know, like yeah. there are other ways to do this that did not include him not communicating because that just is not who he is. We saw We've seen previously that he is the communicator, that Eva is the one who doesn't right. communicate. Well, and I think even if like the way that the story could have happened exactly as it did is that Shane could have sent a text late. Like, yes, it's believable. He's all caught up with the tie shit. He gets on a fucking airplane. He's in the sky. He's like, oh, fuck. I'm supposed to be at a place with the most important right. person in my life. With a kid that I do not want to disappoint. Right. And then say even in that airplane, he's like trying to send the text. It's not going through. OK, as soon as he lands. He takes out his phone and the way that the story could have continued to move the way that it did is the text message could have even just said, I know I fucked up. I'm so sorry. And I do want to talk to you about what happened in person. Right. And it still could have gone on. She still would have been pissed. They still could have not actually had a conversation. Yes. Until they were know, at the Liddy's. She wouldn't know what exactly. actually had happened or the severity yes. of what had happened. So obviously this is me like giving some kind of like, like watching a basketball games say kings versus warriors and uh criticizing players on my own team Uh uh-huh like oh right no like oh man like why didn't you take that rebound or you know make a fucking three-pointer what the fuck yeah (laughs) right while i'm like sitting eating like a bag of potato chips just like in my sweats like crying and eating chips Mm -hmm, obviously mm -hmm. i know how to play basketball better obviously it sounds like what i'm saying is that i know how to write this book better than tia williams I certainly don't. I just that was one moment where I was like, oh, fuck. It took me out of the reality a little bit. Oh, I was 100 percent pulled away from the story. And then I just like kind of like sat in my own frustration and was just like, what the fuck? This is not Shane. Tia, Tia, this isn't Shane. God, are you there? Where are you? What is happening? Like it it was very, very frustrating. And I think what sucks about it, in addition to all all of the aforementioned things is that the frustration with this book comes so close to the end that yes. you're like so far in the story you're so deep into it and you're loving it and you're there and you felt all these things and you've experienced all these things with these people and then you're like huh like yeah it just sucks to be like jolted out of the story in that way i feel that i think that i was um pretty immediately pulled back in though when when yeah. Um, Eva forgives him. She sees that he's not well. And then they make this really mature and concerted decision to know that he's not ready to be with her. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. I love I and then I really love her going um to where did she go? I want to say New Orleans, but that's not what it is. Is it? Oh no, it is New Orleans. It is New Orleans, yeah. yeah. Uh or Louisiana. No. I don't know if it's like exactly in new orleans but it's friggin south yeah um and she goes by herself and yeah. she doesn't go with her daughter audrey is in dadafornia daddyfornia so she is <laughs> so good. yeah she's there and they 
slowly and smartly build back up this communication and realize with this space, like, you know, so again, going back to like comparing it to these like tropes of rom-coms, like it wasn't this like spectacular running for each other in the rain to the airport, like finding each other. Like it was slow. It was real. It was like, what are we doing? I am skeptical, but man, I love you so much. Um, and I loved, I just loved it. I loved the ending. I love this book. Same. I think it's great. Um, well, so I think it's pretty obvious. Right. Hot thigh. Hot thigh. Between your thighs. <laughs> hot thighs. Nice try or hot thighs? Yeah. Hot thigh, hot, hot thigh thighs. thighs. Um, we loved it. Thank you, Tia Williams, for writing this beautiful Thank book. Thank you, Tia Williams. Um, for this one week in June. For this one, for two weeks in June, actually. It was actually 14 days in June. That's my new edit. Yo, Tia. We can count. Um, if you have not read this book, listener. Listener. Um, we you really should. recommend it. We recommend picking it up at your local bookstore. Or, tar- um, or Target. Yeah, or Target. Where we where we love. Um, it just was so great. And I think it's also a really fun way to sort of catapult us into um, the summer of reading with the Brown Girl Book Party. Hell yeah, dude. Although we're mixing it up a little bit in June. So mm-hmm. stay tuned. Um, more. Since this episode's late, you will be also hearing from us in like two and a half seconds. Again. Again. It's true. So stay tuned for the book of June. We are excited to tell you all about it. And we like you. We love you. We want some more of you. We try so hard. I'm singing it wrong. She's lost it. (laughs) Bye. Bye.